Hey now, I'm Jack Cush, executive editor of RoomNow.com. This is the Room Now Week in Review. It is the 28th of July, 2017. In this week in the news, we have a lot of interesting news. A lot of it comes from the regulatory side of our business with uh, new drug approvals, new drug failures, new drug removals, and some drugs hitting the skids. Um, but first, an analysis of hospital cost of biologic infusions was undertaken at a single center, it looked like, um, and showed that um, the cost of biologics um, was quite high, as you would imagine, especially in the care of rheumatoid arthritis patients. Compared to other drugs, biologics took up the greatest percentage of the cost of care uh, amongst all the therapeutic options. Specifically, the average price per infusion for our drugs was 36000 for rituximab, 36,000 for tocilizumab. Fliximab was higher at almost 45,000, and abatacept was actually the highest at 46,000. Uh, now, of course, you know some of these are weight-based dosing, and uh, there's some variability. When you exclude the drug costs, it looks like that the cost of infusion was also made up of uh, the cost of personnel and. Uh, the person and the administration, which is about 50% of the total cost. So um, an interesting uh, set of numbers for those of you who track numbers. Uh, an interesting advance for BMS has been the approval of abatacept or Orencia in the uh, EU for use in psoriatic arthritis. As you know, a few weeks ago, the FDA also approved Orencia for uh, patients with active psoriatic arthritis in the United States, uh, it's good to see that there's some consistency in the regulatory process across the pond. Uh, the NIH has launched a trial looking at a virus, uh, I'm sorry, virus, <laughs> a vaccination uh, against the uh, chikungunya virus. Um, it's called a uh, MV-CHIK-V uh, vaccine. It's a recombinant live virus vaccine. Uh, it's a phase one and phase two trial, two sort of phases that's uh, being undertaken in patients who may be at risk and in regions where they may be at risk. We'll await those results. Uh, an interesting analysis of over a thousand patients with ANCA-positive vasculitis looked at the incidence of ocular disease, specifically inflammatory ocular disease. Half the patients had eye pain, 16% lost their vision, and amongst the many things that we see, some common uh, diagnoses, including scleritis in 22%, episcleritis in 21%, and uveitis in 9%. The analysis also went on to look at how they were treated. Not surprisingly, many of them received systemic corticosteroids, some local steroids and other measures. So a nice review of ocular invo involvement in patients with ANCA-positive vasculitis. A study from Joseph Smolin's group tells us what we might have suspected, that uh, both guselcomab and IL-23 inhibitor and uh, uh, Stellara, uh, Eustachinumab, an IL-12-23 inhibitor, does not work in patients with rheumatoid arthritis. This was compared to a placebo population. The results were, you know, 40, 50% for almost every group, but not different from placebo, not significantly different than placebo. There were some advantages for those therapies, but again, it did not um, meet the, uh, um, the benchmark set by placebo or did not surpass that benchmark. So uh, you won't be seeing those products being developed for rheumatoid arthritis. An interesting analysis compared uh, the ability of ultrasound and DEX scanning, that's dual energy CT scans, 
in quantifying TOFI within the joint of patients who have gout. Now, you might have thought of that the, the great pictures and specificity of the DEX scans would sort of win hands down, but in fact, um, the DEX scans, DECTs, had a lower sensitivity compared to ultrasound, at least looking within the joints. So that was somewhat surprising um, and probably only of interest to the gout maven. Congratulations. Uh, some big regulatory news. Uh, we announced earlier in the week that uh, Samsung BioEpis, the company that has made the new Remicade biosimilar called Renflexis, is now launching the drug and it's being marketed in the United States by Merck. Uh, a few days later, they came out with news that they were going to undercut the price of biosimilars. That's currently on the market. As you know, Inflectra, marketed by Pfizer, uh, hit the market uh, earlier this year with a 15% discount compared to Remicade. Now, that didn't really uh, get a lot of approval from rheumatologists who are well aware that the European equivalent on discounts is at least 50% on average across Europe and as high as 70%. Why we're getting the shaft in the United States with a 15% discount? Not sure why I'd want to jump to a new, um, somewhat hard to understand use of biosimilars. Uh, well, Merck and Samsung have actually uh, gone one step further and now it's a 35% discount. So the biosimilar pricing wars have begun. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this is gonna pan out. The actual numbers on pricing is uh, in the, the report, it's like over a thousand for a vial for Remicade and 900, it was 1100, 900 something for the uh, Inflectra at a 15% discount, but 700 uh, in change for the newer Renflexis, also a Rem, uh, Remicade and Fliximab biosimilar. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, especially as we have two more approved biosimilars that are TNF inhibitors. Amgevita is the adalimumab biosimilar from, Am from Amgen, and Arelzi is the Atanasip biosimilar from Sandoz. Those have yet to hit the market and be priced. It'll be interesting to see what happens when they uh, are in the competitive arena. Uh, baricitinib was a, a very important new advance in JAK inhibitor development, great trials, over 3,000 patients. Uh, a few months ago, they received the unfortunate news that they had a complete response letter, which was the FDA asking for more information and they could not approve the application as it was. Well, they received further bad news this week that the FDA has denied their application as it is, and now they have to go back to the drawing board. The FDA is asking for new trials. They have a safety concern specifically around the issue of thromboembolic events. What they found was that in over 3,000 patients treated, they had five cases of thromboembolic events, including pulmonary emboli in patients on um, baricitinib, the higher dose, the four milligram dose, uh, none on the two milligram dose, and zero on the matched placebo population. This obviously um, has, is without explanation uh, and will require further study and analysis of all their data set uh, and, and possibly a new trial. Uh, if they are going to do a new trial, uh, it's not going to launch for a few years. Um, some estimates say this drug will not be approved until as late as 2021 after they meet with the FDA and come to some conclusions about what needs to be done next. At issue here is whether or not this imbalance of a safety signal, zero for placebo, 
and five events, uh, thrombotic events on the drug. Is that a real issue? Is that a major issue? Heretofore, it really wasn't uh, on the radar for those of us who looked at the data year by year at ACR and ULR, you weren't seeing these events. until You don't see it until you get a very large data set together and then all of a sudden there seems to be something there. Uh, you have to know the background rate of VTE and thromboembolic events in RA and it is increased. RA patients um, have a significant, uh, as much as a twofold or more increased rate of venous thromboembolic events um, compared to uh, matched populations. That number is not higher when you take TNF inhibitors. That number, um, uh, you know, could be obviously modified by other factors well known to cause thromboembolic events. So in these 3,000 patients at that rate, would that number have been expected? Is this sort of random chance that we had none in uh, the zero population, uh, the placebo population, but had five, as you might expect, in, in th over 3,000 patients with RA? To me, this reminds me of what happened with the TNF inhibitors and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. In the first 6,303 patients treated with TNF inhibitors, that includes Embrel, Remicade, and Humira, there were six cases of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in those that received a TNF inhibitor, but none in those that were on placebo during the placebo-controlled portion of those trials. Now, the FDA then had a hearing, um, looked at all the data, including those that went into open-label extension, identified a total of 23 patients, and identified an SIR rate of two to six per one, uh, two to six fold increase risk for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in these trials. Turns out that that was the population risk. When you looked at all the pa large populations, hundreds of thousands of patients, 40,000 patients from big centers, um, they showed the same SIR rate, the same relative risk of developing lymphoma in patients with rheumatoid arthritis. Hence, there is no increased risk of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and lymphoma in RA patients on TNF inhibitors because it's the same rate as if they're not on a TNF inhibitor. Well, the question remains, will this be seen when there's an analysis done of this thromboembolic events in patients on baricitinib? Uh, another surprise came this week with Ben Lista. I didn't know this was happening. Um, ben Lista actually has done a trial, the Bliss SC trial. Over 800 patients tested the um, efficacy and utility of receiving belimumab as a subcutaneous injection using 200 milligrams per injector. That's both a pre-filled syringe and an auto-injector. It's now FDA approved and will be in the, on the market soon and will become a, uh, a pharmacy benefit where heretofore the uh, infusible uh, belimumab was a, uh, um, a medical benefit. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, you may know that, that when other drugs who had first infusible forms, then added an injectable form, such as Actemra and Orencia, that the subcutaneous market for those products rose to about one-third or 40% of their total market. So um, it's going to be an interesting uh, to see how this uh, changes the uptake and use of uh, belumumab in patients with active lupus. And lastly, there is a, a report, a population-based report, on the risk of developing uh, pulmonary embolism in patients with lupus, where it's been shown that there's a twofold increased risk. Well, that's it for this week at Room Now. Uh, tune in next week for more good news and updates from the world of rheumatology. Um, we're looking to get your cases and interesting quotes and whatnot. So 
email us at info uh, at roomnow.com if you got an interesting case for curbside consults or uh, a favorite rheumatology quote or a gem that you use when teaching rheumatology. Thanks very much. We'll see you next week.